I'm E.B. Smith. I'm an actor, director, all-around storyteller coming to you from Athens, Ohio. I'm Adaya Moon. I am a playwright, director, dramaturg, and cultural worker coming from Atlanta, GA. And you are listening to Old Heads. A deep dive into the struggle from behind the theater curtain. So how are you tonight, Adaya? I am great. I have a little bit of liquor. <laughs> it's a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's hot. I'm feeling quite Southern right now. <laughs> uh, I've got a little bit of liquor, too, because tonight we're uh, we're bringing you a special episode, Old Heads. Yes. Uh, and talking about something that is not exactly jubilant, no. uh, but that needs to be talked about. Yeah. And tonight our, our producer, Nicole Unjubel, is joining us. Nicole, hi. How are you? Hello. Hello. Hey, Nicole. Hello. Hello. I'm on the I'm on the air now instead of behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the to the limelight. It's good to see you. Because we got some shit to talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, howdy doey. <laughs> well, Adai, why don't you lead us into this? Because this 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 happened in your hometown, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately. Um, so I'm sure everyone knows about the murders uh, that occurred at the massage parlors in, in Atlanta, Georgia, that spawned the hashtag Stop Asian Hate. I've been thinking about this for a minute after it happened, and then we were recording last week, and I showed up late as usual. <laughs> Nicole and Evie had been talking about it as well. So we I mean, thought, I, I wasn't going to tell anybody. Uh, shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and we thought it would be really good to do a show about this. Because I do think a lot of this, this issue, this lack of understanding about cultures and cultural differences and history really ties into what we talk about all the time, which is stories and storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last week, Nicole said something very interesting to us while we were off the air and uh, sort of wrapping things up. And, you know, she said, after what happened this week, if this is how, if this is how y'all felt after George Floyd was murdered and you saw that happen, I get it now. Yeah. Like, I'm, I understand what that feeling is. Like, if I didn't get it before, fuck if I get it now. Mm-hmm. Because... Man, what the fuck? What the fuck? I mean, you know, yeah, what the entire fuck? And and it's so complicated. Like like talking about it is complicated. Yeah, and I you- think there's a there's a part of me that feels like I don't know how to have this conversation, or I don't know if I don't know. I, I'm not going to speak for the entire Asian community because that's that goes into difficulties around talking about this kind of stuff yeah. that. Asian is not monolithic. Asia as a continent, it, it one, it's a continent. Right. <laughs> and two, it's just the way that we talk about race in Canada and the States boils things down in these really simplistic terms that omits a lot of nuance. So it, it becomes difficult to have these conversations. Or we don't even get to we don't even get to the point where we can have these conversations that have all this nuance that right. we're still talking about just white people and what they have done to oppress other people where we're not even at the point where we can talk about ways in which different groups have damaged or hurt each other and that that should be part of the conversation as well. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting we, you talk about you know, the, the tendency to center white people. So, so, so there was a meme going around when, when the sort of, when the stop Asian hate hashtag started, there was a meme going around that crossed out that hashtag and below it put the hashtag uh, stop white terrorism. Mm. And I don't know why that bothered me, but it bothered the fuck out of me mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, so here we are again Centering white folks yeah. in this situation that was very specifically racist to a certain community. And that Asian people very, very seldom get to actually st- step up and say, hey, let's talk about the way in which we're oppressed. Let's talk about our specific cultural context and our, our situation, our, our positionality within this really like fucked shit that is the colonial history of Canada and the States that 
we have there's spaces to talk about indigenous issues there's spaces to talk about black issues because the, and those are important but so seldom do you actually get to see space being opened up and platforms being opened up to say yeah fucking asian people have been oppressed and and damaged and by this system as much so and like right. like japanese internment camps both <laughs> in canada and the states right you mm-hmm. want to talk like let's talk about let's unpack that history there like head taxes mm-hmm. we unpack we can unpack that the box the box keeps going it's got layers it's like a fucking onion right <laughs> right and, and but 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 again it, you know there there was a, so so there's a sub thread thing that was happening in the black community Evie, i don't know if you saw it but i i saw hints of it and it was really upsetting me uh, people speaking out and, and, and saying, well, when things happen to us, the Asian community doesn't come out and support us. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's not true. Um, but also, though, too, it it reminded me that, you know, and, and I'm speaking about America specifically, there's such, I mean, Americans in general don't know American history. No. And so, really. of course, they would not know the nuances of history as it relates to both issues of struggle and resistance, but issues of solidarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we got to remember too, the complexity is the enemy of popular social commentary. Right. Exactly. So we don't know how to hold contradiction. We, we don't know how to hold the paradigm of the, of the model minority along with the damage that's been done to that community. Right. Right. And so, so when we talk about anti-Asian hate in particular, there's all this justification that happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we don't know those stories. Like we like, you know, people may know about the internment camps, but they don't mm-hmm. know about the railroads. Right. You know, they don't know about someone who's one of my personal heroes, Grace Lee Boggs, and how absolutely important she was to both the black power struggle and the civil rights struggle. Yep. You know, so, so so it's like, you know, those stories aren't told. And I think the important thing about theater or about narrative in general is that one of the ways that we develop empathy is that we have to hear each other's stories. Absolutely. And and hear each other's stories from our own perspectives. I mean, the, the sort of archetype of criminality is is something that the Asian community and the Black community share. I mean, in popular culture, for a long time, through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, mm-hmm. my whole growing up, like, you see an Asian character and the immediate association is the triads or the immediate, the immediate association is the Yakuza, right? Like, it's right. Th- it's this idea of criminality within that culture Criminality and now, or it manifests different absolutely mm-hmm. and and it, and it manifests differently right like like black criminality is painted a very specific way yeah. right it's sort of gritty in the streets it's the thug it's the sort of lower class mm-hmm. usually drug associated um and you know let's say let's face it lower class drugs we're talking crack we're talking heroin right when we talk about you know asian criminality in popular culture we're talking about cartels and drug lords and we're talking about this sort of opulent life with fast cars and big guns and you know this idea that everybody knows martial arts it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and, and, and it also gets to the fact that most of the asian stories that we do hear are stories from the continent mm-hmm. they're not about asians yeah, living in north america we like right. you talk about the you talk about the black canon a lot on on this podcast and i've been thinking for the past year as i've been sitting with this podcast and going what the fuck is the asian or even just like for me personally the korean specifically yeah. canon cuz they i got one it's in choi my man respect <laughs> right <laughs> um kim's right. convenience shout out but also like where or, or no actually no there's there's more than one korean playwright out there uh, or in korean diaspora play, playwright out there um but that there's 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 few and far between uh and and not in the same there's not the same history there um mm-hmm. and and nor is there necessarily care or support to share those stories right. yeah. um and oftentimes i see the community coming together to share our stories with each other yeah you see most most stories that uh, most asian stories that are being told or from are from the continent and that's not to dismiss that but oh, that, no, they're great i mean it's my favorite that, but people have <laughs> like asian people have been here for a while now and like especially you want to talk like one of my friends 
she's fifth generation Japanese Canadian. Her mm-hmm. family was here before both world wars and like, right. but world war two hit and it, it was over. Right. Like right. that. And they were, they were based in the, in the West coast and in, in Vancouver. And that's something that even Canada has not really truly mm-hmm. properly addressed in, in, in great fashion. Right. Um, it's not history that is addressed and it's, it's something that I find there is this impulse to um, not talk about it, at least within my family. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about it's this struggle, I find, of talking about stories and talking about history and talking right. about the pain. And uh, I'm coming from now specifically an immigrant background. My And, you, and your parents are immigrants, yes? My mother was born in Korea, but she came here when she was one or two years old right. um so my grandparents are are immigrants right. um but they lived through the korean war mm-hmm. um and so that's that is part of of my history um right. that being something that wasn't really talked about and in some ways as a kid it was so it was talked about so little both within my family and just in kind of school and, and in discussions of history talked about in such a way that I actually had thought that the Korean war predated the world wars because oh, no. of the way in which it was talked about. And it is often called the mm-hmm. silent war or the forgotten war. Yeah. Um, it's that's the Korean war is often called the forgotten war um, yeah. happened in the fifties, 1950, 1953. Although you could say, well, and, we, and we often don't talk about but, the fact that the war actually never ended. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk about the fact that the war is still ongoing? Oh, boy. I mean, the DMZ is still an active military operation. Right. Right. When right. people were like, the war is over because President Moon was at a, did a talk with, with uh, Kim Jong-un. And I was like, y'all, treaties haven't been signed properly. The war's not, the war's not over. Um. It's not over. They just signed a freaking ceasefire and it's just been that way for 50 fucking years 60 fucking years but my grandparents when they were born it was one fucking country <laughs> right right oh well i mean so, so so you have that like actual historical reality of an ongoing war that no one really seems to understand that no one that people barely address and then they and then and then you get into this idea of the clownish figures of, right. of dictatorships right. that yeah. are so overblown that you don't then actually have a space to talk about. Cause, and that's the thing too. I feel like it's always comes down to talking about space and talking about nuance, like mm-hmm. coming from a Korean background and specifically my family is actually from, from what is now North Korea. And I put that in quotations cause right. fuck, fuck this North South bullshit. Uh, <laughs> frankly, um, <laughs> um, but that there is no space, uh, something that I find I run up against when trying to talk about like a- Asian and like Korean issues. And we're talking about my diaspora experience, but then people will start talking to me about North South and like how the nuclear threat from the North. And it's like, yo, what the fuck? That's, that doesn't, that specifically does not relate to people assuming that I don't speak English or microaggressions or fetishization Mm -hmm. or all of these different things that you want to get into. And sure, we can talk about that. And if you want, I can talk about that nuance because boy, howdy. But those are two separate things. And people sometimes like to conflate content, the issues from the continent and Mm -hmm. diaspora issues as though they are one and the same when they're not. And then you get into class disparities with, Many yeah. of the people who come over um, being sometimes being quite wealthy from from Asia, but also you have many immigrants coming over who are not and who are, in fact, um, not well off at all um, and, and incredibly poor uh, and just trying to make a life for themselves because they were told that this was going to be a better option. Right. And there never seems to be space to discuss this nuance. Right. And speaking of that nuance, I mean, you you brought up the D word, uh, diaspora. 
and diaspora is so fucking complicated for mm-hmm. all of us who mm. live in North America. Yep. And the, you know, me personally being being a fan of diasporas as constructs that are necessary, especially when you're in uh, environments that are in control that that are controlled by white people. So, in order to try to build so- solidarity, people of color have you know created you know these these diasporic ideologies in an effort to try to like you know create some solidarity and to really fight the the tyrannies of colonialism and white supremacy. Yeah. But well, diaspora is strength in numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, there's strength in numbers. And but then they try to use that themselves. against us by splitting us apart. Right, right. But diaspora is so complicated. It's yeah. so mm-hmm. fucking complicated. Yeah. And I think the Pan-Asian di- diaspora is particularly complicated. And I think that the Pan-Asian diaspora, okay, some people are going to maybe get mad at me if I say this, but I don't think it fucking exists. Asian <laughs> as an identity it's wow. honestly a little bit bullshit and only exists mm-hmm. in Canada and the States. It only well, so, but the same thing can be context. said of black as an identity. I mean, it's true. Yeah. But that right? black folks didn't exist until, until America made mm-hmm. folks black. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can fight me if you want, but, but, but that is a concept. That is a, that is a racial construct only happened when white folks said these yeah. are black people because before we were black people, we were, we were also, we were Igbo, we were Yoruba, right. right. We were right? right. Like we, we came from all different peoples. Right. Yeah. But I think that there's a level of, uh, the Asian community trying to, which rightfully so finding solidarity within each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it's this double-edged sword of we're oftentimes always mistaken for each other. Right. But mm-hmm. then also we're trying to like collectively create a space for each other um, and solidarity for each other. Mm-hmm. And and it's this it, the unfortunate thing that like black people don't necess- necessarily always know what their roots are because of slavery. Mm-hmm. But that is not necessarily the case for a majority of Asians in right. Right. the States and in Canada. So who are we to then try and make a group in the same way? looking at the black community and going, okay, well they have their thing going. Right. Well, we can kind of try and do maybe a little bit the same, but it's different because we're coming from a different place. Mm-hmm. We're coming from a different context. And so what does it mean? What does Asian and also like Asian American Pacific, Pacific Islander. Island. Yeah. That, that what I, when I saw that for the first time, I went, what, what is this? <laughs> I mean like rad. All right, solidarity, baby. But also, what is this? It's the same thing with BIPOC that you were so- talking about before. Right. And it's like, there's only very, very, very particular instances where this needs to be used. Otherwise, let's just go with something specific. Right. And, and, and the thing, with, but, but again, with diasporas, it's like, we create them to create solidarity. But then they're weaponized against us. Yeah, they are. But but also for those of us, especially in, in, in North America or, or who are in predominantly European settings, we need them. You know, I mean, African-American intellectuals constructed the idea of diaspora in mm-hmm. the late, well, the early 20th century, late 19th century, maybe. You know, uh, a lot of people came together and realize that, you know, you know, it, it was easy for Black Americans because at that point we we became a culture when we got here because of the slave ships. Right. But, you know, people like Du Bois, people like Demar Vesey, I mean, I, I mean, these people realized that there were other things happening on the African continent and in the Caribbean that were also related to our struggles here. Right. That it would behoove us to not see ourselves strictly within the context of this country, but to see ourselves globally. So that's right. the power uh, of what di- of, of, of diaspora, and that cr- that creation of, of of that sort of diasporic identity for Black people, what directly impacted liberation struggles on the African continent, directly impacted liberation struggles in the Caribbean, directly impacted liberation struggles here. So mm-hmm. it's a benefit, but it's also complicated and messy as fuck. Absolutely. But the thing to keep in mind, but 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 I think what what it does do is that it really focuses on who the enemy is, and the enemy isn't white people, but the enemy is definitely white supremacy and colonialism. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that sometimes within Asian communities talking about diaspora, people forget that because it's about being here and not there. And this idea of home and not home or where is home. That's often what I see in discussions around diaspora, at least within the Asian community, in terms of discussions that I have been a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, So to frame it within the very specific context of where that word comes from as act of liberation and an act of dismantling systems mm-hmm. of oppression and white supremacy is so valuable. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to put my finger on something that both of you just mentioned. And, 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 and you, you touched on it, Adaya, when you say that, that, that the target of our struggle is white supremacy, right? That's what we're trying to tear apart. Right. White folks look at that and say the target of what we're struggling against is white people. And, 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 and that's, that's a distinction that, we really have got to figure out how to make with folks. And I think we just have to keep repeating it because the, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But because the thing with white supremacy is that there are as many black and Asian folks engaged in white supremacy as there are white people, and mm-hmm. that's all the people that are pointing fingers at each other and perpetuating anti-blackness in Asian communities and anti-Asian right. uh, oppression in black communities because that exists. That exists, and that <laughs> you know? and that this conversation is dismantling white supremacy in a way that this act of solidarity between Asian and black communities that has been happening for the past year with both this recent shooting in Atlanta and with the murder of George Floyd and that um, activation of kind of a lot of people talking about race and and anti-blackness and Black Lives Matter is part of the work. Right. And it's a huge part of the work because a lot of times you know, even with some of these terms, people are hearing these terms for the first time over mm-hmm. the, the past two years, you know, since all this stuff has been happening. And, and and the reality is, is like, you know, this is like, you know, these struggles, you know, these sort of diasporic, you know, struggles to fight against systems of oppression have been going on for at least 200 years. <laughs> globally, yeah. you know. Yeah, globally, because I mean... Pfft. We want to get back on the Korea train for a second. You want to talk about get back on the Korea train? Korean history in America. <laughs> I'm not, should I go there? Should I go there? One second. Let me just get it off my fucking leg. <laughs> I mean, why not? Let me look. You, you talk about the you Korean War. Korea, everything. You talk about the Korean War never ended, right? I mean, the the same thing. The same thing is true of slavery. Oh yeah, yeah. We never yeah. ended it. We signed. We signed a. We signed a sort of ceasefire. With the Thirteenth Amendment, exactly, yeah, but it didn't end the, the 13th practice. Thirteenth Amendment isn't even that. Is it that much of a ceasefire? It's not even a ceasefire. They just changed. Well, the it rules. just justified it. Yeah. It made it about criminality as right. opposed to they just legalized uh, it in a different way. That's right. right. So I mean, these are all. I mean, and the thing is, I, I think because these are ongoing struggles, and because we have to accept that, and because we have to realize that you know we won't see the dismantling of you know colon, you know colonialism and colonials practices we won't see the we won't see the dismantling of white supremacy in our lifetimes no at all um and we have to realize that this is an ongoing fight and i think once we realize it's an ongoing fight then these sort of internal skirmishes within diasporas and within you know communities that are in resistance against white supremacy that shit should should die down because we don't have enough time to bicker amongst each other it's true. We've got this monster to fight. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I, and I think a lot of times uh, so, so someone posted something on, on our Facebook that said essentially, you know, the lack of solidarity between black communities and Asian communities only benefits white supremacy. And it's I true. agree with that 100 It's true. But that there is such a there seems to be such a divide. That there seems to be this gap or this bridge that people are feel they cannot or are afraid to cross right. to to stand in solidarity with each other. And I think it's, it's I think a lot of it is just because we don't we don't know each other. There's a real it's a true lack of understanding of each culture's history, mm-hmm. of how our the ways that our histories intersect. And are in conversation with each other. I, I mean, I, I had a long conversation uh, with my nephew. I was talking about, you know, the fact that, especially for for black radical thinkers of the late 1960s, the impact that, you know, in particular, you know, and I know 
Chairman Mao is controversial, but, but the impact that, you know, both Mao and Ho Chi Minh had on Black revolutionary thought in America. Like, I mean, the Black Panther Party was all about Chairman Mao. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, we have to understand how, how, how even historically our, our cultures have been in dialogue with each other about dealing with issues specifically of white supremacy. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, E.B., you just got up and pulled out his little red book. That's You're right. such a commie pinko. Commie yeah, me, baby. Commie me. You're such a commie pinko, Edward. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. want, I just pulled out the unification flag for Korea, baby. Oh, that is awesome. This hangs, in my, this hangs on my wall every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I do say sometimes, I'm like, there's only one Korea. Yeah. There, there's yeah. only one. I don't know what you're talking about. Two? What, what, what the fuck is South and North? <laughs> and, 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 and the thing that we, that we have to realize, too, which is why I always push against, I constantly um, push against the idea of minority status, is that globally, we are the majority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean... Asia's the fucking largest continent. The fucking largest continent. <laughs> with, a, with a bunch of countries with like absolutely massive populations. I'm fairly certain. I'm. Oh, I'm going to misquote this, but my partner was learning about populations in China and different like um, provinces because uh, he was like, I don't know enough about this. I'm going to learn about it. <laughs> and he was looking at the population for the smallest province in china and it's larger than canada i could be i could be wrong about this but also like i mean canada is a physically a very large country very tiny population right yeah y'all so it's it's you know the 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 messiness and the what's annoying about it is that i i just feel like these moments of violence against any group of color Unfortunately, they provide us with opportunities to really kind of in- interrogate, one, what it is that we want and we require from our individual countries and nations, but also, two, you know, what is the n- nature of the struggle that we're actually fighting for? Like, what are we actually fighting for? Yeah. And I'm sure in a lot of ways it's citizenship, but I think we really need to understand and interrogate what that is as well within the context of our individual countries. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. what does citizenship mean? Uh, and uh, speaking from a Canadian context, what does citizenship mean when your citizenship is predicated on a on stolen land that can only right. exist, really, if you think about it, through treaty? Right. In Canada, the British Crown signed treaties with Indigenous peoples to occupy a certain amount of land and many of them fraudulent and that was then signed over to the canadian government upon the establishing of the state of canada as we know it today and so what does that mean then right this idea of citizenship as a canadian citizen not of indigenous heritage someone who is an immigrant with both white ancestry and asian ancestry right and the history of struggles there and the reason that i am here on this land at all being war really that right. my my family mm-hmm. left after my european family left after world war 1 my korean family left a- after the korean war they were coming here and and then that and that's another thing right like when we talk about indigenous sovereignty black mm-hmm. liberation i often think about what my positionality is mm-hmm. in relation to my white ancestry right what that means but right. what does that mean from my from in relation for me as an Asian woman. Right. Right. And I stand in solidarity from that perspective. Right. Yeah. Like in some ways, like, what does that mean? Like my specifically, I'm an immigrant, like I, me personally, I'm not an immigrant, but I come from a family of immigrants. Right. And I'm coming here as a guest on this land, but there's like, there's all these layers to unpack with relations to each other. Right. That, we never have space to talk about. Evie, you mentioned this in the class that you were previously teaching, that we have to have these conversations in relation to the lowest denominator, of, like whoever has the lowest amount of experience. And when you're talking about race, mm. we don't get to these conversations of nuance because we are having to walk, hold hold the white person's hand through talking about race. 
Well, right. look, cap- capitalism itself is based on the concept of who can I exploit the most to get, you know, the biggest bang for my yeah. buck, right? And I mean, if and, we want, and yeah. the way to exploit people is through narrative. The way mm-hmm. to exploit people is to figure out how to tell a story about them that others them to the point that they are not seen as human, or at least not as human as someone else, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so when you when we talk about when we talk about colonization, when we talk about colonialism, all of these treaties were signed for the purpose of economics. Right. But they were signed for the purpose of economics from one perspective. The other perspective was coming from a humanist perspective. Right. So Mm -hmm. so, you know, (laughs) the indigenous folks were signing treaties based on what they perceived a need was a human need. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to the British who were signing treaties based upon what they could get out of someone. Right. 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 And, and until until we're until we're speaking the same language, we're really not able to have that conversation. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's similar to the, similar to what we're talking about in terms of higher education. I mean, Adaya, you and I have talked about this. Nicole, you and I have talked about this. Right. Like how 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 do we dismantle this system when when what's really at stake are tuition dollars? Mm. If that's what we're talking about, then then we're just we're selling pieces of paper. <laughs> and, and, and it's so sad that so many of these conflicts boil down to money absolutely money and the the korean war was was based on money yeah i I, I mean it's it's money it's capitalism it's insecurities about money and who may have more money or who may have less money i mean you talk about capitalism and you know capitalism in the united states is literally built on the backs of stolen land uh slave labor (laughs) and uh the building of railroads that's right those three things Involving three completely different. And that's where the C slur comes from. And people don't even realize that sometimes. Right. That's right. 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 So, so, so it's like this very, you know, this very oppressive system is literally built on the backs of three different cultures. Mm-hmm. And I'm not and even going to use that word because that's not even I'm not Chinese. So. Right. 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 And, so, then, and then that goes back to this idea that all Asian people are the same. Right. But going back to why we kind of started talking about this or why we're talking about this now um, with, I don't, for me, something that I was thinking about that I've talked about a little bit with a few people was like, this is what it took specifically like six Asian women Mm. for people to care. That's right. Especially in this past year when we have been constantly saying, Hey, there's been ever increasing levels of hate crimes and violence against us right early early in the pandemic i remember seeing a video of an asian man brutalized on an airplane and people said fuck all i mean uh kung flu china virus i mean these were words coming out of the mouths of the idiot the former idiot president that's right and 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 we expect that there was going to be no sort of backlash from this hate mongering. No, this is this is reaping what America has sown. The same thing. The same thing is true. You can look at you can look at the aftermath of nine eleven. Right. Right. The anti-Muslim hate ran so deep that Sikh people were being attacked. Right. And killed. Sikhs are not Muslim. But someone saw an ethnic man with a headdress on. With a headdress. Right. He must be Muslim. But it also goes back to the the ignorance of North Americans when it comes to other people's cultures. Yeah. The blatant ignorance of not just other people's cultures, but even the history of their own countries. Mm-hmm. It's like, y'all come on. <laughs> I think a lot about the danger of a single story. Yes. By Chimamanda. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And that it is applicable like she's obviously coming from her perspective as a Nigerian woman coming to the States and only then calling herself like black or African. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she's like, what? I'm Nigerian. But that I think is also very much applicable to a lot of Asian people. I remember, th- and this is, here's a funny, here's a, here's a funny thing. I remember as a kid, people did not know what the fuck Korea was mm, as right. a kid in elementary school. If people knew anything about Korea at all, they knew about North Korea and that that guy that was threatening to to bomb us with with nukes. Right. If they knew about that at all. And granted, I was a kid in like grade six. Not that many 11 year olds knew what the fuck that was. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple. But now Korean culture is everywhere. 
Right. Right. But that that has literally happened in 20 years, less than 20 years. But that when I was a kid and and my I've talked about this with my mom, that like when my mom was in, in school, people didn't know how to make fun of her. They were like, what kind of Asian are you? Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, you're not Chinese. You're not Japanese. Oh, shit. I don't know what kind of insult. I don't know what the racial slur is for Koreans. Like, what's the racial slur for Koreans? But that, that, that's a story that she has at all. Right. And that that's the impulse is to how, how can we put you in a box so that we can make fun of you properly? Right. <laughs> right. How can we impress you properly? <laughs> oh <my laughs> what, God. what kindness? <laughs> how can we impress you accurately and respecting your identity? Respect. Yeah. How can we impress <laughs> you? How can we respect your identity as we impress you? So, so Adai, I hear, I hear what you're saying in terms of, you know, in terms of changing that, changing that, that hashtag from stop Asian hate to stop white terrorism. Right. I hear you, but how do we introduce complexity into this conversation? I, you know, I, I, I think the only way that we do, and you know, this is, and this sounds so fucking poly, Pollyanna and simple, but we just got to start listening to each other. And, and, and Nicole can correct me if I'm wrong. Some of it might be cultural as well. Like, you know, I, 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 th- I think certain cultures have a hard time telling their stories. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. That's what I was getting to a bit earlier, um, that in my experience, you don't talk about it. You don't right. talk about, at least with my family, you don't talk about the war. Right. They right. didn't, they didn't talk about the war with a lot of, I, I've, I have um, a few Japanese friends, my one friend being fifth generation, mm-hmm. that there is the, the second and third generation Japanese Canadians they don't really speak about it. Now there's actually starting to be stories in, in there's there's now a, a number of kind of like fourth, fifth generation uh, Japanese Canadians who are, are starting to try and cultivate those stories because that's a hundred years of history. Right. Right. Of, of Japanese Canadians. Right. hundred years of history, five mm-hmm. generations, six generations going on for some people that there's stories there that are not being told. And part of that was, the way in which, and this this ties into a little bit of this idea about the model minority and this myth of the model minority is that you don't talk about it. You just try and keep your head low and you try and assimilate and maybe that will stop the violence. Right. Um, and, and that if I'm speaking to you in perfect English, that I don't have an accent, that that is somehow going to, like that 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 will change your perspective of me. Um, right. And I don't have an accent and I barely speak my own language. I barely got to talk with my my harmony, my grandmother, before she passed because mm-hmm. she didn't know a lot of English and I didn't know enough Korean. Right. And I'm lucky I still have my harmony that I can I can learn stories from. And he he knew more English than my harmony, but that there's that language barrier. And that's something that a lot of, I think, Asian immigrant families like my generation face is this language barrier. And that I think also is a wall sometimes for stories mm-hmm. that right. there's the language barrier there. I'm only, I I'm getting secondhand accounts of stories. I'm getting translated versions of stories that they're not able, because I don't know the language. Mm-hmm. They have to tell it to me in their second language or that I don't know the language enough to fully grasp the whole concepts that they want to share with me, the way in which stories are told or shared becomes disjointed. Right. But these stories and can't stop of, within the communities, right? Yeah, I mean, we need but to... part of it is that for some people and for some families, we can't even share pass our stories down a few generations, let alone starting mm-hmm. to share it within community and beyond community. Right. And that part of that is due to this concept of trying to assimilate, of getting rid of 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 you don't speak you don't don't speak your language like we're not going to pass down the language and we're we're going to just speak english and and try and this proximity to whiteness that i've seen in discussions around like discussions of like asian identity um mm-hmm. but it's not yeah, we're not the, the assimilation thing is such a trick bag i think for all immigrant cultures it's true. Even white immigrant cultures. The, the, the assimilation thing is, is a trick. And, and African-Americans got caught up in that trick, too. You know, we had, our, we had our moment during integration. 
<laughs> thinking that assimilation would solve things. But the trick is that, you know, the dominant culture promise you that by into you know by integrating into the dominant culture you will reap all the benefits of the dominant culture right and 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 that's not the case that's never the case but what you end up doing in a lot of cases in that experiment of inter of of assimilation is that you end up losing your identity you become exploit your own identity for stories yeah and that's what like this idea of trauma porn right yeah you become right. you become you become a spy. Become a spy. Yeah, yeah. And also too, I mean, and I think we have to keep in mind too that you know those stories, those cultural stories, aren't always about trauma. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, they hardly ever are about trauma. But but it, but it's just that you know. But that's the lens that people want to see it from. Oh, you're from a exactly. war torn country. Tell yeah, me about the about trauma this. of it. No, tell I'm going to tell you about my great grandmother and how much of a badass she was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But 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 also too that desire to hear the trauma comes from a need to feel superior. Let me hear about how bad your life was or your people's life was so I can feel better about myself mm-hmm. and yeah. my superiority. And again, like you know, that's why these trauma narratives are 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 attractive to dominant cultures. But in order for us to get to the point where we can start to see each other's humanities, it's like we've got to, we have to share those stories with each other first, and then mm-hmm. we have to share those stories to the rest of the world. You know, I've, I've been saying it since the beginning of the pandemic, when, especially after the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, when my white friends would reach out and say, what should I be reading? White fragility, how to be, how to be an anti-racist. How to talk about so you don't talk about race like all well, these last shit you need to be reading. Well, I I said I've been saying to all of them, yes, you have to understand how black people die, but you really need to understand how black people live. Exactly, and how they dream. Exactly, because that's how you see someone's humanity. Yeah, that's what someone's about. Yeah, I right? mean, I mean, I mean, before I would, you, you know, if, if people wanted to know about you know black culture. <laughs> Or, or black people and our struggle before I would ever send them towards white fragility or how to be anti-racist. I would send them towards Octavia Butler. Absolutely. And, and Zora Neale Hurston. And Nisi Shaw. Yeah. You know, because, you know, oh, and, and, and even, you know, to Toni Morrison and, and Alice Walker, because it's like to be able to live and thrive in spite of, to That's me, right. those are the actual stories that have power and weight. And that actually explain why we're we're still here. There needs and, to be a, I, there needs to be a focus on joy. Yeah, because joy is what allows us to survive this year. That's the only way we've been any of us have been able to survive this. Mm-hmm. So I think you know once we start to to share those stories, but also in those stories centering joy, mm-hmm. centering resistance, you know, uh, centering survival in those narratives, you know, then I think we'll get a better idea about who we are as individuals, but also who we are collectively, you know, in our individual nations, but also we'll be able to appreciate our differences more. I think it also, I think it also points at how we have centered a white concept of trauma. We have. We don't all process trauma the same way. We don't. When, when George Floyd was killed, I don't know if you experienced this, Nicole, but when George Floyd was killed, I got so much pity from my white friends. I got so much empathy and sympathy and expressions of, you know, so, so sorry. So, so sorry. You must be going through so much. Right. And, and what I keep, what I kept saying to people was, look, this is nothing new. This is nothing new. This is like, I I, I watched, I watched Rodney King get his ass beat. (laughs) I watched Tupac get killed. I watched all these motherfuckers die. It's like, this is every day for me. It's like, you didn't cash at me. When Roddy King got his ass beat, I mean, granted, we didn't have cash out there, but still, it's like, you know, this is, you know, in terms of, you know, trauma and tragedies on a national scale, I think most African-Americans of a certain age are kind of used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily numb to it, but used to it. That's right. Um, and so the trauma is processed differently. Yeah. It's not processed under the white paradigm of trauma. Right. White folks experience trauma and it can be a singular event. It can be given, uh, it can be given an entire life of its own. It can be commemorated in a very specific way. Right. Right. 
I don't know how to commemorate all the lives lost. And if, you know, if, if what we know about epigenetics as a, as a growing science is true, then it is literally in our genes. That's right. And I think for Asian communities, Asian diaspora communities who may or may not have seen this level of violence enacted against us in our bodies in this kind of way, mm-hmm. um, and to have it be so publicized and media- mediated, like as I'm using mediated as in like distributed through the media. Right. I think it's shaken some people. Right. So the process of grief is uh, the process of grief and the process of trauma is different, as you were saying, Evie. Mm-hmm. That it, it, that's for some people, they're not necessarily used to it, or it is again. I think about this idea of inherited trauma. Mm-hmm. I don't know what my grandparents saw during the war. Right. Yeah, but I mean, there's that that runs in my history, mm-hmm. and for many different immigrant families who have come here from different places. And just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean that it's not there. Right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, in terms of epigenetics, that that runs in your blood, too. Exactly. And it's weird because in some ways I saw that. And we let, going back to media and we talk about representation, I am so desensitized to my mm. body or to Asian bodies being used as props mm-hmm. oh, wow. in media. And, and this is what I was getting at a bit before with it took six Asian women to die, specifically six Asian women, when there have been multiple accounts of Asian men this past year being brutalized and or murdered. Right. But society or media does not hold value to Asian men in the same way that they hold mm. this sexualized value to Asian women. Uh, oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, shit. That That is something that's been sitting with me, and that's something that I sit with every fucking day as an Asian woman. And I'm also, like, a very petite Asian woman, and we talk about this idea of, like, this. there's this whole, the Japanese, like, tiny little Asian woman submissive fetishization that, like, I live with every day. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, mm. but that that's part of, I think for me, I think that's part of the nuance of having this conversation is, yeah, it took fucking six women, six Asian women mm. and the violence against them for like kind of this mass movement of people caring outside of the community. Right. Yeah. Right. That and and that again, he was just having a bad day. Oh my right? god. Yeah, don't even he start. He was just having a bad he was just having a he was just having a bad day. But, that's, but that bad. that is the but banality. That, that's so that is so normalized. Violence. This violence against this this sexualized Absolutely. violence against Asian women mm. is so normalized yeah. in media. Oh my god. He was having a bad day. He was a sex addict. I'm like, what does that have to do with the fact that people were murdered? Sex addict is a fake mm-hmm. concept. I'm like, that's anyway. bullshit. It's yeah. an excuse to enact sexual violence against yeah, other people. That's exactly right. Yes. It's, it's like this is a fucking hate crime. It's a hate crime and it's a sexual it is it is a convergence of racism and and sexism. Yes. In definitely. a very particular and specific way. That is mm-hmm. fetishizing Asian, the female Asian body. Right. Yeah, for sure. That that is somehow seen as some kind of temptation or sin. Right. Yeah, my body's a sin. And there's also like the the the, the thing that people have talked about either is like you know these are working class women, so it's, it's a class. The and class it's a class issue is, too. It's a class issue. Oh, too. without yeah, a doubt. Thank you. Yeah, because yeah, you rely on how much of your clothes are made from China. Right. How many how many Asian takeout places do you go to? Laundromats, right. corner stores, all these things that are working class Asian people. Mm. But you're gonna make fun of our language and they don't know how to speak and right. they don't understand. So what can we do, y'all, as 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 artists and as storytellers? I mean, I think you said it earlier, Adai. Telling our sharing our stories with each other and listening to each other. Yeah, because I feel like I—I I mean, 
being the producer on this podcast and and sitting and listening to all these just incredible conversations for the past year, like has had me reflecting on just like my own relationship with like black people in my lives with racial identity in different ways, thinking about solidarity in different ways and, Mm -hmm. and, and recognizing and seeing sometimes that gap that sometimes seems quite large and other times seems quite small between these disparate communities that we have more in common than we have differences. Absolutely. And, and yet, as, as we were talking about before, those nuances are important, right? But it is, never it space is, we are all struggling. It. We are all struggling in the same, in the same fight, but our perspectives on the struggle are different. And, and those perspectives are what make, are what makes this work really vital. Right. And those perspectives are, 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 are exciting. And, and, and that's the thing. Yes, absolutely. The nuances are the exciting aspect of it. It's like, sure. I want to hear more Asian stories. I want to hear more First Nation stories. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I want to hear them. Because I know they're going to be different than stories that, that I may create or stories that I'm used to watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to understand. I, I want to understand. Absolutely. I want to understand. And I think most people want to understand. Mm-hmm. We just have to make sure that we're creating avenues for these stories to be told and insisting. And supporting the joy, the stories about joy, as Evie yes. has said, supporting the stories yeah. about joy, not just the trauma. Yeah, exactly. So let's do it, y'all. Let's yeah. make some plays. Let's make yeah. some plays. Let's write some plays, hint, hint, Nicole. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta get back to writing. Nicole gets her daily hint, hint. She needs to be writing more. Yeah, I I've know. Ha- I've had I've had my goddamn shots. Let's get back to work. I want to get into a theater now. Well, I love you both. Thank you for this chat. Yeah, Thank you love you guys. And let's tell these stories. Let's tell these stories. And thanks to everybody out there for engaging with this conversation. It's an it's an incredibly important conversation, and I'm happy to have this space to to share in it. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Old Heads was written and created by E.B. Smith and Adaye Moon in association with Ghostlight Creative. Produced by Nicole Unju-Bell. Edited by Vern Good. If you're enjoying Old Heads and want to hear more and support what we're doing here, head over to Patreon and support our page at patreon.com oldheads. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.